this is my dear precious wife and uh, it's just an honor to be able to do uh, life and ministry with her. Um, you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself and a little bit of your background before we yeah. begin? I'm Stephanie. I'm from Wilson, North Carolina. My cousin Brad back there. <laughs> um, but I went to Bible College. That's where we met in Nashville, Tennessee. And he finished a year before I did. I dropped out. Go he, ahead. <laughs> I'm putting nicely here, people. Yep. <laughs> Paint him a good light. Um, he finished uh, a year before I did. And we were engaged. And I spent uh, the last year of our engagement there. Miserable. Without I don't know. I really like Nashville. But I thought I would live uh, either in Wilson, go back to Wilson, or live in Nashville. Um, and he went back home, Woodhaven, Michigan, yep. and um, started a life there, bought a house, started um, serving in the church. And um, so when we got married, um, I moved to Michigan with him. And, <laughs> and I was very um, homesick and lonely. And I'm a very social person, and I was his plus one everywhere we went. Anyone that knew me knew me only from him, and um, which is totally fine, but I didn't have anything else going on for me. And so um, I was very, you know, homesick and looking for some kind of socialization that was a part or um, that could add to our um, life there at the church. So I was looking for uh, friends. So I joined a church. I joined a um, gym. I already had a church. I already had a child a separate church. <laughs> I joined a gym. I joined a gym and I was looking for friends and I found them and I made fast friends there. And it was kind of like my own little community there. And they closed that gym after 40 years. Um, and I started teaching classes there. And it was such a great community. Um, they had all age ranges. They had college kids there. They had uh, 30-some-year-old moms, they had 85-year-old, uh, you know, great-grandmas, and, but it was like a little theme, it was like our own little community. Um, and after they closed, I, um, I thought, man, we need to bring this to our church. So that kind of started um, my own little ministry, and I'll go into that a little bit later on, but that's who I am from North Carolina, live in Michigan now, we met at the Bible College. Very good, very good. Um, we're not going to share anything groundbreaking with you today. I want to tell you, number one, in growing your church and reaching your community, um, the Bible tells us, and these are the words of Jesus, he's the genius in this, um, we have to have a love for our people. You've got to love your community. First Peter 5 tells us um, to shepherd the flock that is among you. Pastors, uh, we are given a place to serve. We're called to a place. You could hear it a little bit in her voice. Um, her calling was with me. Her calling was with me. My calling was at the church. And so in a sense, she was sort of along for the ride. This is not what she thought it would be. Um, but here she is in Downriver, uh, Michigan, just south of Detroit. It's not a high, it's not an upscale area. It's not, it's not low end either. Uh, we're middle of the road. And um, we have learned to love our community. Easier for me, I grew up there. This is my place. But I can tell you this. The growth that we have seen, the results that we have seen in reaching our community, they always follow a love for the community. So I went to uh, college, and, uh, Bible College, and I went and majored in missions. That's what I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. we used to go on mission trips to Mexico, and I didn't know how I wanted to serve, uh, but I knew that that's, I wanted to give my life in service to Christ. So uh, Brian Tippett was my youth pastor, and I saw him at a snow blast. He came and spoke, and he said, I thought you were going to be a missionary. I said, I am a missionary, man. 
because ours, the Great Commission for all of us, the big capital C church, and for us as individuals is to love God and love people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we all know, but it's how we love God and it's how we love people that's what's gonna impact um, your community. So loving God, that looks like spending time with God every morning. Um, Brian Tippett, I wish he was in here now. If, I, um, if we all had our own little Time Magazine, uh, People's Most Influential, he'd, be, he'd make the cover of mine for sure. Uh, but he encouraged uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. <laughs> you make second page no, for sure, it. man. Flip right over. He'd be right there. But um, Brian Tippett, the thing that he really um, encouraged us teenagers to do was have your own personal relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord. And the only way you can do that is to every morning seek his face diligently. And um, if it wasn't for him instilling that in my life, God only knows where I would be. Um, so loving God, spending that time with him every morning, you fill up your cup so much that it just splashes out on other people. And that's the loving people. That's right. So you're just splashing his goodness on everyone you encounter. Um, and it, so I went for missions and then I changed my major to, um, elementary ed because that looked like the way to serve God is a good way. And I taught special ed for a little bit when I was in Michigan. Um, but then I also worked at a salon doing makeup, which seems like a very vapid thing. I was able to um, deliver the gospel message so clearly and so directly and personally doing makeup better than I ever was on the floor teaching special ed children. Mm -hmm. And not saying that that's not a great place to serve, you can serve anywhere. And now that I teach fitness classes, which also seems like a very insignificant thing, I have a better ministry serving in that capacity than I did in more of a conventional um, box style of you can serve in teaching or you can serve in singing and those you know very clear ministries it's these non-conventional methods that God is using more than um, any other place that he gave in my life. And you're going to reach people um, simply because of your personality and because of your love for God. Um, this is this is what's got to come out of the Christian. Yeah. Um, we cannot be uh, having a wrong attitude about our community. We must love our community. I'm from Detroit, and my dad taught me this. Um, we're from Detroit. People say, oh, Detroit, boy, that's, that's, we love our city. We don't talk bad about our city. We build up our city. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't. You can't say, I love that place, and oh, what a dump that is. You've right. got to. And this is something that maybe our hearts have got to change. God, give me a love for my people. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of pastors, and they sort of despise their city because they've not been able to grow their church. They've, they've, they've struggled in all of these areas. It's like, it's like these dumb sheep won't listen to me when I call. In ministry, I'm finding, is not anything, it's not happening like I thought it would happen. In college, I thought we would have like a vacation Bible school and then all those people would then join the church. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you giggle because you know that's you not You got a thousand new. people coming through trunk or treat and you know. Instead, it's gonna be loving those people yeah. For 30 years, my dad did this. Rick Locklear was a great evangelist, relational, intentional evangelism. He had a little place that served mediocre coffee and stale eggs. 
um, and he made it his place. It's called George's Family Restaurant, and he would go there three or four or five times a week. He would bring his Bible. They had the, the, the counter creatures is what they called them. They had about seven uh, chairs around the counter, and he just made himself a fixture there. Didn't go preachy, but just knew these men and got to know them. They were, every, they were auto workers. They were salesmen. They were businessmen. Um, they were golf pros. They were different ones, and he just inserted himself. God had given him a love. He wanted to be among people and he was very winsome and just naturally drew people to him and he did it for 30 years he did it for about 24 years before we saw a convert just loving people and going to synagogue with them the jewish ones he would go to mass with the catholic ones and when their wives uh, were critical in the hospital they didn't call their priest or the rabbi they called rick because you know this as i know this we all know this no one cares what you know Right. But they care how you make them feel. Your community needs what you have. And you have what they need. I want you to be convinced of this today. What they need is the gospel. Right. What they need is community. What they need is hope. They are hopeless. They are at wit's end. They are struggling. They are depressed. They are despondent. They smile. They go about their day. But they, listen to me, if they don't have Jesus, they're miserable. And they're on their way to hell. What you have, they need. So if you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, I have struggled to grow my church and to reach my community. Just know this. You are already equipped. God's placed you there. He's not called you somewhere that you can't work, somewhere that you can't be successful and minister. Let me just pause there. I said the word successful. Has God called us to success? No way, man. No. But maybe success looks like 30 years of drinking stale coffee and ministering to the counter creatures. Mm -hmm and telling them, in Jesus' name, I love you, and I'm your friend, and I'm not selling no snake oil, and I'm no charlatan, and I just, I want to be your friend. And this is, these people showed up in our church. They showed up, and I saw it work. I saw it at work. But it has to begin with a love for our community. Knowing this, they are, everyone is the Imago Dei. They are image bearers of Christ. They are from Him, and they are destined for Him. But they don't know him. You have what they need. Let me read to you some scriptures here in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Very familiar passage of scripture. Um, let me just begin here in verse uh, 14. It says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because, the, because we thus judge, if one died for all, then we're all dead. See, see Christ did die for all. He died for all of them. I want you to go home. Maybe you've never done this. I want you to look at every person in your community as a potential Christian. You ever thought about somebody? You ever met somebody you thought, boy, they'd make a great Christian? Here's a Jewish man that I'm uh, uh, in discussion with right now. He'd make a most wonderful Christian. He's close, too, by the way. He's close. He's going to make a great Christian if we can ever realize that the Old Testament validates the New Testament. <laughs> That's what we're working on right now. He's an image bearer of God. Verse 15, and he, that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You're made new. I am made new. Praise God. We are not what we used to be. We're not what we're going to be. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. 
As you're ministering to them, the Holy Spirit's ministering to you, works in progress. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is our job now. This is what we're doing. And uh, all of us are about this ministry. The preacher was so correct last night that we think, um, when I answered the call to preach, I answered the call to preach when I was uh, 15, it was like, 2001 or something like that. And I answer the call to preach. Well, my wife doesn't have a call to preach, but she's got a call to minister. She's not a call to pastor. She, you have a call to minister as well. Let me ask you, have you answered your call to preach? In your salon or at your George's or at your Trenton Athletic Club where you're walking on the elliptical machine and You've got a ministry right there. Those are your people. Zero in. Wouldn't it be great to go home and say, of these 100 people that I meet on a regular weekly basis, 10 of them might become Christians. Right. God put that desire in your heart. Your hobbies, the things that you enjoy, that's, right. that's all placed on your heart. And if you surrender your life and your will to Christ, that's why we have to be so close to him that we incline our hearts and our ears to his will so that we can minister in those areas. So if you like, you know, whatever you like, he's going to use for his glory and it's able to be used for his glory. That's right. That's right. Um, and we love these people. Yeah. We love these people. Number two, not only must you love your neighbor, <laughs> isn't that groundbreaking? What would they say in there? Well, turns out you got to love your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. You got to go. Jesus said that. <laughs> and Jesus it. said that to the lawyer. Jesus said that, um, oh, master, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, what are you talking about calling me good? He was inferring you're not good. He wasn't saying that he wasn't good. Jesus was good. You're saying you think you're good and you're not good. There are people that you hate. There are people you despise. Our goal should not be to fill the pews. It should be to fill their hearts with something. Um, a girl That's that uh, has come to my fitness class, um, her mom and I, we met at your athletic club. She, um, that lady has been through it. A widow at 34, um, had three kids, and uh, her daughter, her oldest daughter, was coming to my fitness classes and uh, broke my foot and wasn't able to teach for a couple of months, and her daughter uh, committed suicide on uh, Christmas Eve. And we were there, we were called in to be there. Um, we met the kids there. And so many people from that fitness class, I have about half non-Christian and half Christian that come, yeah. they all gathered around her and came to the daughter's funeral. Um, you're not only building a, a community for your church, but you're giving your people a place to serve and be missionaries themselves. We secure That's our right. back door of our church that way. That's we, right. we give them a place to serve. That's right. So, I mean, j just off, 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 off schedule here, this is one wonderful thing. So Stephanie has, we've got a fellowship hall at our church, and, um, and we've also got a gymnasium in our church, and they're separate properties. And so she has just uh, started this just kind of one-on-one. Uh, some ladies yeah. in the church, would you show us some exercises and stuff? She had been teaching at Trent Athletic Club, which closed during COVID. By the way, your church is never going to be the same after COVID. It's just going to be different. Okay? Right. And this is also a wonderful opportunity. Uh, there's some things that need to change about your church. And COVID is a wonderful opportunity to, to see some of those things change. And so they got a little speaker, and they got there, and, uh, and they were doing some, uh, I don't know what you're doing over there, aerobics and, and whatever. I have my, in my mind what you're doing. And it's I don't all, think it's the, it's all those think high, it's those high calf, yep. you know, like the nope. big 80s hair. You know, nope. I, that's what I see going. I don't, I've never attended. I think you should. It's a ladies-only thing. Think something else. Uh, <laughs> And it's just so wonderful. And then our church ladies 
are able to go to their neighbors who are unchurched and unsaved and unreached and say, hey, uh, my pastor's wife, she does this thing and you can come and, uh, and there's also coffee. And it started small. Very small. I think I had about four people that were consistent showing up. We've had to push the tables back. And like I said, it's not about the success of how many people are there. It's about the hearts that you're changing. It's about doing something yeah. for Christ, the one-on-one -on -one ministry. But we've had to push the tables back. I got 30 people average coming in, half Christian, half non-Christian coming together. And I pray over them at the end. And these people that have never had anyone praying over them will lay on the floor and cry, and you can tell they're right there on the verge of mm -hmm. giving their life to Jesus, mm -hmm. doing something as simple as wearing those leggings, <laughs> doing those jumping jacks. See, I knew it. I got their bangs all sprayed up high. Yeah. yeah. That's what I see going on there. The reason, the reason this worked, we did the Know Your Community Report. How many of you have done the Know Your Community Report? Yeah. Okay, maybe half the room, the rest of not even half. Let me encourage you to do this, okay? Call the home offices, call Eddie Moody, or email him uh, at questions at nafwb.org. Uh, they will provide this to you for $100. If that's too much, they'll pay for it for you. Mm -hmm. And what, you'll, that, what they'll do, they'll give you a, um, a demographic breakdown of your neighborhood, of your area. And um, you can choose whether you're very densely populated or more rural, um, spread out. Um, all of the people within five minutes of your church, 10 minutes, 15, or 20 minutes of your church, you get to customize it however you want to do it. In fact, you can do multiple of these searches. Um, ours, we only did uh, five minutes. We're very uh, yeah. kind of um, in the suburbs. We're packed in there pretty close. And within five minutes, there's 77,000 people, um, most of which do not attend a church. And so it gives you the breakdown of how they vote and where they shop and what they do and their ages and sort of what they've um, uh, worked in and how they're um, enjoying their retirement. Our largest segment uh, of the population, our biggest group, was called Comfortable Empty Nesters. And it's just what you hear it to be. These are people who have raised their kids, and their kids are either in high high school or in college or moved out completely, and they are either enjoying some of the interest off of some investments. Um, they might be working part-time, probably have retired from something, gone to something else. They would prefer to eat at home as opposed to eating out. Um, they're relatively conservative. Um, they're relatively conservative um, fiscally, um, financially, and um, I tell you what was so encouraging to us, as I read this to our church on a Wednesday night, I said, church, here's the breakdown of our community. They're like us. They're like us. Let me encourage you. You're probably like them too. You are probably like your community. And evangelism, if anything's more scary than that, I don't know about it. You know, just to cold call somebody or to walk up to someone on the street, hi, do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Like, that's, nothing's more terrifying than that. But it does help. Get the Know Your Community Report and you'll find out we can reach these people. The cool thing about the comfortable empty nesters, and this is how it goes back to the point of whatever God has put in your heart, he's put it there for a reason for ministry, is that this, this age demographic, the comfortable empty nesters, they want to have social interaction, not mm -hmm. social media interaction. And they're also very health conscious. So him putting something as silly as fitness classes, an in-person fitness class was no accident. He placed me there in Michigan right. for a reason, around these people for a reason. So whatever you have going on, 
in your mind and your enjoyment, yes. he will use. He can use. It's going to look. It's going to look unconventional. Yes, very. It's going to look unconventional. I, I think a lot of us we're still in that mindset that we're going to host a revival meeting and that uh, and that God's going to have this great move and that those people are going to come and stay. And that well, by he the way, revivals could. meetings are not for building your church or growing or reaching your community. Those are for your church people to be revived. We don't revive dead people, right? The outside, they are unsaved. They are unone. They're, they're lost people. Um, the way that we're going to reach them is going to be very different. Here's something, um, and, and Jesus told us this. He told us this in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who's my neighbor? He goes, well, there was these two religious men, these two preachers, and they came and they didn't want to get involved. They did not like their community. They were a little embarrassed by their community. Um, they were maybe even afraid of their community. The one stepped over, the one went on the other side of the street, and then here comes a third one. And who, who is it? It's the Samaritan. I mean, can you imagine how that must have fallen on the ears of the Jewish hearers when Jesus is saying, this is the one that God will use. Mm -hmm. Samaritan. The half-breeds. I mean the outcast. He goes, and what are you going to do? And how's he? What does he have to offer? Well, he finds the need and he makes himself valuable to that person. He finds the man beaten half to death in a ditch, laying there bloody and bruised. He picks him up. He mends him. He, he, he meets his needs. Like maybe your church can do that instead of a bloody beaten man in a ditch. Maybe there's an elementary school in your community that needs a little TLC. Maybe there's, maybe there's a bunch of houses around that are overgrown and you have some men and some women that can pull some weeds and mow. I mean, it's going to look different. If we were talking about making money here, if we were talking about uh, enterprising uh, and, and, and how we could be successful in business, what we would stand here and say is make yourself valuable to your customer. Mm -hmm. What is their need? Meet their need. Be the kind of person they say, I need what they have. Well, here, we've discussed, you already have what they need. Okay, so go give it to them. Mm -hmm. So go give it to them. What do they need? They need family. They need, they need faith. They need hope. They need help. They need kindness. They need a friend. They don't need a judge. They need someone who's going to be sweet and say, look, I know. And the, by the way, the ladies that come to these fitness classes, you look at them and I go, when she started doing this, I go, we got to get a, a waiver. I said, these ladies are going to die on the floor. Like they are... <laughs> I was looking at some of them like, my goodness, I see them struggling to come into church, and they're, and they're doing it. Now listen, doing it. I couldn't do this class, but these, but these ladies, they're, they're, they do these modifications, and they do what they can do, and they love it. They love it. And I mean, it's someone who's saying, you don't need to do everything I can do, right. but let me help you do something that you can do. I, I'm, I'm doing push-ups. I'm doing planks. Here's a modification for you. And so what they need, she Provides them. It's because I'm not giving them a fitness class. I'm giving them Jesus. That's right. That's right. And they come to her at the end of these classes, and they don't know how to say it. These unsaved, when they come, they say, they say, honey, you just, you're, when I come here, I just you're feel. Light. They don't, yeah, they your, don't know the word. Your spirit, my aura, your juju, and my, ju you know, and they don't know. It's, I got uh, that good you're looking for Jesus, ma'am. I think what you're trying to say is, that's right, and they've never had it before. Yeah. This hug at the door, this handshake, this embrace, this, how, how is your daughter doing? And, you, how, and how's here's that going the for important you? thing here. Where I learned it was in my church that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. So I was like a stray cat. I was dropped off at church. My family didn't go. Mm -hmm. I had my cousin and, uh, you know, some extended family there. But I would be dropped off by myself. And then um, someone would take me home like a stray cat or either drop me back off. And it was those people that would put their arm around me mm -hmm. and said, hey, mm -hmm. don't get out of the word of God. Mm -hmm. And now in our church, 
We have some kids there that call us mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And there are stray cats. And they are stray That's cats. Right. But can you? But find a stray cat in your church, mm -hmm. and pray over them, and mm -hmm. minister to them, and pour into their lives. So maybe your ministry isn't just in the community, but it's right there where you are too. Mm -hmm. She mentioned the back door, and there it's really important to know there are both doors in your church. Yeah. We have the front door that should remain wide open. We want to invite everybody and anybody to come, and they're all welcome to come, right? Everyone welcome at your church. They need to feel that way. They need to feel that way. And we've also got the back door because you've got sheep and a flock in your church that needs ministering to. And we can't neglect the one for the other. Right. A lot of churches, they focus on what they already have in-house and they forget about those outside. We can't do that, nor can we all focus on the outside. But I think if we're going to err on one way or the other, I think it would be better to err on focusing too much outwardly than inwardly. I mean, I don't want to make a mistake here, but I think the one breeds life into the other. Sure. I think the one, and it helps your inside people to go, yeah, where are we going? We should be doing that. We should, we should love our community. Yeah. We do have what they need. That's right. They could come sit next to me. We could come do that fitness class together. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did, um, and I was rather intentional, learned this from my father. He went to George's Family Restaurant. I became a police officer, a reserve police officer in our city, the city of Woodhaven, and now I'm uh, our city chaplain. So I went through the 16-week academy. I wanted to insert myself into the lives of first responders. EMS workers and firemen and police officers and SWAT team and, and our politicians and our mayors and our, our council people. And, and all, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something on purpose, intentionally, um, to insert myself there. Um, and, and, well, and Pops had led the way here. My grandfather's sitting here. He's been ministering in our church, in our city, for 57 years. So let me tell you this. It's a, it's a, long, it's, it's a long game. It's a long game that we're looking at here. Um, I did. I thought it would be very different. I thought that reaching the community would be uh, some sort of one and done, like at a marathon, go set up a table, hand out bottles of water, and then people would just show up at our church. But you may need to do, that's a good thing to do, but you might have to do it for 25 years. And people say, your church is always out here giving out these bottles of water. Yeah, we just want to love on our community. We just, we just love. You guys are always out here pulling these weeds. And you guys, you painted that school, didn't you? And don't you have that fitness class that anyone's welcome to come to? And don't, didn't you, that was anybody? Mm -hmm. Even if they don't attend your church? That's right. We just want to intentionally and on purpose love our community and know our community so that we can serve our community. Make Jesus look good in the process. That's exactly right. Stephanie, tell us just, just briefly, Exodus, I mean, I'll read it for you. Exodus 35 um, as we're reading through our, in our D groups right now. I'm uh, glad you said D groups because that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, very good. So our D groups. Uh, does anyone do D groups? Anybody? D groups? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You want, you're in my D group. <laughs> you cheated. Um, D groups stands for devotional and discipleship. Last year we went through the whole entire Bible in a year. This year we're slowing it down, going through just the Old Testament. And the next year we'll hit the New Testament. Uh, but what it does is... I have people from um, in our church, and then I have people also from outside of our church, and we meet once a week, and we discuss our reading. It's just the Bible, and it's just making you dig a little deeper. Very mm -hmm. simple. So in our reading, I was reading Exodus 35, uh, verses 31 through 35, and um, go ahead and read it, and I'll... Yeah, so this is the building of the tabernacle, and um, listen to what it says. Exodus 35, 31, it says, And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, works of gold and silver and of brass, and of cutting of stone, and set them in uh, and in uh, carvings of wood, and make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart 
that he may teach both he and uh, Eliab and Ashmachah, I think you have to cough to say that correctly, uh, of the tribe of Dan, them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work and with the engravers and the cunning workmen and the embroiderers in blue and in purple and scarlet and fine linen and the weavers, even of them uh, that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. He has talented the people of God to do the work of God. Right. He put it in their hearts, <coughs> gave them the wisdom and the skill that they needed, and all they had to do was have willing hands, willing hearts. That's right. And, and they were. And you have these people in your church, too. You have people in your church that you should be utilizing for the glory of God. Right. God give us such vision. God give us such uh, revelation here to see what we have to offer the community. Like if you had a girl say, I just teach fitness classes. Not sure how we can use that, but we'll keep that in mind. Well, I can tell you how we can use that. There's a place here. There's a place to, we love them, don't we? We love them. And I'll tell you, this is very unorthodox. Do you know of another church that offers fitness classes? It's not a lot. And let me give credit to our pastor here who has allowed this, allowed this to go on. I mean, there's some places we could go wrong. Like you say, fitness classes. I'm thinking like modesty issues and, and, and all sorts of, of whatever. This has been the most wonderful blessing. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank the leadership of the church for saying, yes, honey, minister where God has called you. Yes, um, use your talents and use your gifting, whether it's in workmanship or in, in scarlet and purple or, or engraving wood or, or in brass or gold. Or, this is how it's always been done. God has always used the people of God to do the work of God among other people. That's what we are here to do. There aren't any great Christians. There aren't any great ministers. And I could walk around here and point to you some of my heroes. I could show you say, oh, my God, that's that guy, that, that woman right there. There's just weak and beggarly Christians uh, who have a place in the gospel. My dad developed a little outline um, that we believe that we share, and it's just the four elements of the gospel uh, for everybody. Um, first of all, our sins are awful. Everybody that you meet, the Imago Dei, all the image bearers of God in your town that need to be saved, they have a sin before God, same as yours and same as mine. And because our sins are awful, God's wrath is fearful. There's a real wrath on our sin that God has, and it is coming. And let me tell you, if you believe that, you'll get serious about reaching your community. You know Penn and Teller? Do you know the, the comedian's Penn and Teller? You ever heard his testimony about the guy that gave him a Gideon Bible? The long-haired guy that does all the talking? He's an avowed atheist. He's a rude, mean atheist. This guy stayed after, gave him a Bible, and just thought, I just want to tell you, I love your, your stuff's very good and very funny. And I wanted to give you this, and I just, I just want to tell you that I love you, and I'm praying for you, and just as a, from a man to a man. He was so moved. He goes back to his dressing room. He turns on his phone. He goes, I had the most amazing experience tonight. You can look it up on YouTube. He goes, I'm telling you. He goes, I don't, I'm, that guy was not a wackadoo was a good man. You can see a tear coming in his eye. He goes, I don't believe anything. He goes, he knows that I'm an atheist. He goes, I'm telling you, that was a good guy. He said, how much? He goes, this man really believes that there's a hell. He goes, how much do you have to hate someone to really believe there's a hell and not say something? This is coming from Penn, from the atheist. How much do we have to hate our community to not say nothing? Mm -hmm. Oh, I want you to leave out of here. We're going to close in a minute. I want you to ask God to give you a place. You can insert the gospel because our sins are awful and God's wrath is fearful. But his grace is wonderful. It's free. It's free. And those who call upon his name, they, they will find him. They will find him to be good. And therefore, our repentance is needful. And we unashamedly tell everyone that comes through our doors, no, you're not okay. No, we do not validate your life. No, we do not affirm your lifestyle. Christ receives you the way that you are. 
He refuses to leave you that way. We all have to be saved. This is the gospel. This is what they need. And this is what you have. This is what you have. Do you have anything to add to that? Sounds great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. That good. Was Amen. Good. That was good. Tell you what, we're going to leave some time here just before we pray. Any thoughts and comments, any questions that you might have or things that you'd like to discuss? Not that we have answers, but. One of the things I've noticed, I'm sorry, I pastor a church in Kentucky. Sure. I've been there two years. Wonderful. And um, it's all God, but we've seen over 100 people say <laughs> That's awesome, man. And does everybody know who John Calipari is? No. If you don't know, he's the UK coach. Oh, yeah. I'm a Big Ten guy. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm not thank you for excusing me. Yeah, yeah. But mm -hmm. just about anywhere you go, you'll find somebody who knows who John Calipari is. Sure. The reason is because of exposure. Amen, brother. And so the key, I also sell life insurance and health insurance. And so I've learned this through that also. Sure. The key is your community has got to have exposure mm -hmm. from the church where you're at yeah. and the members in it. Mm -hmm. And something that God showed me a long time ago, the only thing that matters is if it won't save you or send you to hell, it really doesn't matter. So with that, you can reach anybody in your community. Dear brother, that is so yeah. good. That is so good. Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Yes, exposure. We could all do a little better on that, couldn't we? Yes, ma'am. This is a question for Stephanie. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to where you really felt like you were part of the community and fit in? That's a good question. Um, she's so, not there yet. She's not there yet, but she's... Get out of here. <laughs> He's on. It's for Stephanie. You're just kidding. Um, you know, it took about a year. And that's when I joined Trenton Athletic Club. And I didn't start teaching fitness classes there right away. I was working in a school mm -hmm. teaching uh, special ed. And I developed a small little group of friends there. It made me feel a little bit more like this was home. Um, but it really was about a year into being there that I felt like I was part of my community. I would walk in somewhere and they'd say, hey, Stephanie, mm -hmm. and not, hey, John's wife. Right. So as soon as I went from that switch of, oh, I have my own name now, I felt like I was a part of something and once I felt like I was a part of something that I was able to build a larger community and had the confidence to build a larger community there. Awesome. Yeah, so about a year, about a year. Anybody else? I know this might be dumb. What would you say when you said a mongo date or something like that? Uh, image it's of a, God. It's a, it's a Latin term that just means made in the image of God and okay. a bearer of the image of God. Okay. Excuse me, that's a big, I don't even, I, I can't even spell it, but yes, ma'am. <laughs> as far as I know, that's what that means. He's promoting the Bible college. That's what he was doing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You mentioned earlier, maybe someone else has other ideas of what they use mm -hmm. in their church. Yes. And I don't have, I don't have anything to share, but I want to hear. Yeah, sure. If anybody else has some other ideas. Yeah, well, we've, we've seen a lot of things work. Yeah. Um, and it just depends what kind of talents you've got going on. I don't think that you need to invent anything new. I think we should take a minute and, and see what we've got going on. We've got a, we've got a guy in our church who's a uh, hydroelectrical engineer. Yeah. Um, he's just a, a science whiz. Just a, he's also one of our deacons. Um, but he can build just about anything. 
One um, thing we did, I'm sorry, man. One thing we did was we put a school in our church. It's a homeschool hybrid. My mm -hmm. son goes there. So I homeschool um, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then two days a week, the kids go there. Yep. Um, most of the families that go there are part of a church, but there's about 20% that are completely unchurched. They just like how we do things. Um, and that 20%, even though it's not a large percentage, like I said, we're not trying to fill a pew here. We're just trying to change some lives. Um, that is one uh, community outreach that has been really successful just in those individual relationships. We put a school in there. And we just and, finished our first year of that. And in that school, we've fruit. used um, the hydroelectrical engineer. Mm -hmm. he, um, he's got a great science mind. He also has a great uh, way with children. And um, he does science projects with them. Mm -hmm. And it's very hands-on, very one-on-one, -on -one. Um, but a school, <laughs> Uh, use yeah, the a soapbox derby car race, yep. uh, anything that kind of looks like a you know Boy Scout or Girl Scouts you know activities that you could host um, is a, is a wonderful and very non-threatening thing uh, for the that, for the community uh, to come to. That know your community report is so mm -hmm. helpful because right. you have to figure out what is your uh, age demographic. Maybe you do have a young. Uh, crowd around you. Well, they're a not going to right. Like that, they're yeah. not looking for social interaction. They're looking more for social media interaction. Right. And I hate social media. I am not good at it. <laughs> but you do have to go outside of your comfort and reach them that way. Yeah, or maybe it's are. an older, you know, retirement community. Hey, people like bingo. <laughs> There's you just yeah, man. Sure they do. You have to reach whoever you have. Sure. Where they are with what you have inside your church. Or maybe it's a running all those club. Things coming maybe, together. A, maybe a club of people in your church that like to run or to walk. Right. And, and, and a weekly, you know, at the park or at the high school track or something. Something that they could say, hey, dear brother, dear sister from the church, come on, let's go. And don't you have a nephew? Don't you have a neighbor? Something that you can invite. I mean, that's front door and back door, you know, mindset right there. Book club, brunch club, yeah. golf. Amen. Hunting, fishing. So we are in a very rural area. Mm -hmm. But we've done the community thing. Yeah. And so uh, we could probably narrow it down to five miles because they did the, I think, 15. Yeah. And it went into the town that's next to us. And so, okay, but they realized that in our area, we have a lot of people that's been there their whole life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's grandpa and grandma and mom and dad. That, that generational. You know yeah. And so there was a lot of farmers, fishermen, hunters. That's right. So one of the things that um, Dr. Moody suggested to us with that is so with the um, agriculture and all that kind of stuff, our church has a garden that they do for... That's well, they awesome. they do it right now for the church. That's how it's been in the past. But we suggested the next year to grow it a little bit more. We live on the church property, and so our intention is to next year, as the crop comes in and we have so much, yeah. to just set up a booth right in front of the church. That's awesome. Free vegetables. Yeah. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. And then we can have an outreach to the community, sure. giving away, and some of our guys are big fishermen and they fish all the time. And yeah. they have this abundancy of fish. Do yeah. big fish so, fry. Free fish fry. Or if you can get kids from the community to go fishing right. or to come and to work in your garden, right. get those people they, on your property. Right. And that's what yes. Dr. Booty has talked to us about. He's coming to our church um, in August to yeah. kind of share it with them. Yeah. But our church is an older church. I mean, Praise my, God. my husband yeah. and I are the youngest and we're not really young. But anyways. But they have but, like knitting <laughs> clubs and baking and things like right. that. But it's just, I mean, some of, I know some of the smaller churches don't think that that community thing would really benefit mm -hmm. them. But, but it does. It well, these it gives, us, yeah. it gives us a way to see how we can reach because we got there going. 
okay, there's like nobody that lives around us, so who's our neighbors? You know what I'm saying? There's like right. everybody spread out. Right. You know, to go to somebody's house, you're going to walk a mile up their driveway. I mean, you know. So. Right. And you're building that unity in your church. Right. God loves a unified so, church. But that know your community, I think, is a good investment for any church, no matter what size. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wearing. It's essential. Yeah. It's essential. Don't yeah. don't let the summer pass without doing that know your community report. Yeah. I have a quick question. A lot of the things that you've mentioned have been very small group focused, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Yeah. How do you feel about larger outreaches like, you know, carnivals and things like that like what is your take on that so we do a big uh trunk or treat we get about a thousand people that come through there we do food trucks and uh you know carnival style Uh, we do the same thing for easter it's our largest outreach yeah um so outreach yep yep what kind of outreach Uh uh-huh all of it all of it everything small one-on-one i find we've had um, several different families that have started coming to our church just from Trunk or treat because people at the trunk smiled at them and made them feel welcome. That's true, but I don't care big or small. The fruit is going to come from one on one connection. Yep. This family, they came to our church and they said, "We came here two years in a row, and you remembered all of our names the second year." I don't remember remembering all their names, but apparently I did, and that was enough. And they've not missed a Sunday in about five years. Yeah. And this whole family, most wonderful, the Went family. Yeah. And um, and, but it's going to be big or small. It's going to be those one on one connections, that personal invite. Yep. Yes. kickback in our church about doing events like that. Like, oh, it costs this much money, and how many people have we landed you mm-hmm. know, from that? But every event we do, we give away Gideon Bibles to all the yeah, people. Yeah, that's great. We have a great connection. It's casting bread out on the water, right. and in many days, so it will, yeah. affirmation that it's not a waste of money or time. Keep fed. doing it. Yeah. What are you going to do, not do it? Well, we did this one thing; it didn't work, so we're done with outreach. And keep whole, doing, and whole, it'll modify, and you'll you'll adapt, and you'll it'll change, you know. But just keep throwing noodles the against the wall; something will stick. Purpose of casting bread on on the water is not just to receive the fish back; it's to feed them. Mm-hmm, that's right. right. And, and it looks foolish; it looks right. like you're wasting bread. But Ecclesiastes 11:1 1 says to do it. Yeah. Cast your bread on the water. This is wise wisdom from Solomon. In many days, it will come back to you. Yeah, our trunk or treat event is—it's. Uh, I, I don't. I hate uh, Halloween. I don't like Halloween. If it were up to me, I wouldn't do it. I thought about stopping it a few times. It just keeps getting bigger. We invite our first responders to come. We set up uh, police dogs and fire trucks and the EMS, and we do all the uh, people host trunks. This is a great way to use the people in your church to utilize, and we all dress up in costumes and and um, and I stand there. We we make a gate. They have to come through me. We give them a brochure about our church. I shake every father and mother's hands. I, I get down with the little kids, you know, and I try to remember some names. Um, but that's that's what we want to do. And they're just like, it's free? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's free, come on in. But like, but how much does it cost? No, it's free. It's really expensive. About three three or four thousand dollars that we spend on candy and, and, and hay and corn stalks and games and huh? Yeah. That's right. And we, we, we just we just throwing bread on the water. Yes, ma'am. We just started a um, fireworks show. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple of different outreaches, but we've kind of focused in on about four mm-hmm. throughout the year. But um, our entire church gets involved. Huge fireworks show on the fourth. Um, our entire property was covered in yeah. people and cars, and we were turning away people to park somewhere else. Oh, Amen. Yeah. But they kept saying, Thank you so much. We were seeing on Facebook, like, I don't know what church this is, but I'm so glad that they're doing this. You got to go check that church out. So, People just want something. They want to know that you care and you're there That's right. and you're just doing something for them. And when there's so many people there like that and like at the trunk or treat, 
she's the pastor's wife there. You and your husband might not meet them, but it's your people in the church that you are giving an opportunity to be a little missionary there. And they'll come back because someone in your church invited them, giving them a place to serve too. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Oh. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. A blessing box full of food. It's just, yeah. yes. We do a big. We have street festivals. It's two pretty good sized street festivals at the neighboring towns. One of them would give away water, yeah. but we have little wood tokens printed up that on the back has got a QR code that links into our church page. Oh, that's great. And we do giveaways that way. Oh, you're killing it. Absolutely. We have a database of people that will allow us to come Big food and toy drives at Christmas time. You know, those kids need stockings. Those kids need back-to-school backpacks. We've got a, a new Nigerian family that's come. Yeah. Uh, same thing. They're like, we just gave away lots of stuff. Everyone has a want. And if you can meet that want and give them what they need, which is Jesus, that's what you're doing. And notice, know, know this, God's not called everyone in your community to come to your church. He's right. just going to give you the ones that, that, that you need. He's going he's to send the ones. And so this is all on him. We can just relax. We can ask God to give us a love for our community. We can do our, our due diligence and learn about them and, and be the ready to go out and be ready to do it. Be ready to be that good Samaritan. Be ready to serve. It's going to look a little different, but we're going to, you know, whatever it takes, God, you let us know and we're going to do this. And we're going to leave the rest in his hands. So how are we going to reach our community? We're going to leave it in God's hands. Yeah. We're going to work like it depends on us, but we're going to believe like it depends on Him. 